Welcome to the Platform Comics Podcast. This is Tucker. If you do follow along with Platform Comics, you've probably noticed that we haven't been very active in the last few months. And mostly that's because Platform Comics is pretty much just me and I've been going through a lot of life changes. I had a baby. I am a father now. So obviously that uh, took up a lot of my time. And I've also moved across the country from Los Angeles to Detroit. And of course, there's other you know work-related things that I do. Platform comics is not uh, you know how I make money. I, I wish I had been a little more active on social media and stuff, keep people updated. But you know now we're all locked down from coronavirus, so this is a good time for me to kind of revamp everything. So I posted a little teaser the other day, something called a 10K challenge, and that'll be the first new competition. It's a challenge where you have 10,000 minutes, which is pretty much seven days, to create a short comic. You enroll a team, which could be just you by yourself, or it could be you and a, uh, an artist, a colorist, letterer, etc. At the beginning of the 10K, we will be assigning each team a theme, and then you have to stay within that theme. This is to prevent you from you know, just making the comic before the 10K starts. Uh, so you you don't really know what your theme is going to be. And then there's also going to be a line of dialogue that every team will have to use. So every team is going to have to use the same line of dialogue somewhere in their story, which I think will be really cool to see how different people adapt it to their themes and their stories and their characters. Uh, we were talking to some judges and sponsors about it. So hopefully we'll be releasing some more details soon and the competition will be starting at some point in April. Um, don't want to make too many promises because things are a little crazy right now. So this podcast I recorded at the end of the short comic competition with the winner and runner-up of that competition. Unfortunately, it took me you know this long to get around to editing it. Begs the question, why interview the winner and runner-up of you know, an amateur competition, usually you want to hear from people who are working in the industry, people who are professionals, you know, so you can learn from them. But my feeling is that everybody's kind of on a spectrum from absolute first time ever putting pen to paper and having your comics turned into big movies or something like that. So everybody's somewhere on that spectrum. And as long as somebody's, you know, above where you are, there's something to learn because they have experience that you probably don't have. So the people I'm interviewing today, yeah, they're not professional comic creators. They're not making a living from it yet, but they have a won this competition. They've also self-published comics. um, So they might have more experience than somebody who's just getting started. So first I interviewed the runner-up of the competition. Uh, This is Brian Wickman who wrote it. Um, The comic was called Big White. It was a comic that the judges all really liked and I loved it from the minute I saw it. Um, I think there's a lot of different kinds of short comics. There's some that have like, you know, a clear beginning, middle and end. But I think other comics are more like the first chapter of a bigger story. And this feels like one of those. It it feels like the first chapter of a really long story. But at the same time, it actually has a nice ending to it where it it resolves nicely. You can just imagine it continuing and, and being this really big world and these characters going on. And you, you should definitely read it. Uh, it's on the anthology, which we have for free download on the website. All the, all the finalists of the competition are available there. The second interview is with the winner of the competition, a comic called Puzzle. I interviewed both the writer and the artist. Uh, it was written by Jed McPherson and drawn and colored and lettered by Zorica Gaita. And immediately I took interest in the fact that they actually know each other. Like they hang out and work on comics together like in person which is pretty pretty rare these days most people are working with their artist via the internet you know and they might never meet them at all that was kind of interesting they also do work with people over the internet but i think that's actually really cool if you can find somebody in in your city who you get along with who you can make comics with in person and kind of get together and brainstorm you know over coffee or, or beer or something like i just think that can be a really cool creative rewarding experience their comic puzzle 
is just a dead simple story. There's no dialogue. Um, it's a complete story beginning to end. You know, it, I actually, when I first saw it, I thought, well, the judges aren't going to like this because it's too simple. It's like there's just not enough character development and story arc and, and that kind of thing. But all of the judges loved it. They all gave it their highest scores. So it was it was interesting to be proven wrong and see that a comic doesn't necessarily need to have, you know, these complex ideas or complex worlds or characters and can still push a really simple but strong message and invoke emotions and and uh if you haven't read it again it's on the anthology and you'll, you'll see it's it's just a really simple touching comic that just kind of nailed exactly what it wanted to achieve and i think that's what the judges like that it achieved what it was trying to achieve so i hope there's something to gain from these interviews i will be uh, recording and uploading a few more interviews in the short future uh, and stay tuned for the 10k challenge i think that'll be a lot of fun and yeah so here are the interviews Can you walk me through the process of making your comic, Big White, just kind of from inception to finding the collaborators? Yeah. Um, so Big White is like a love letter to a Fritz Leiber short story called A Pail Full of Air. Um, and I had toyed with it for a long time as like a piece of short fiction. And then at whatever point, I decided to start trying comic stuff. And I didn't really do anything with it. And then I found Vlad's art and messaged him the idea and he like shot me back some concept stuff and then I didn't write the script until after he was already on board so we sort of went back and forth about some things I mean he like all of that wild layout stuff at the end is like 100% Vlad because he just wanted to run with his like crazy ideas and I was all for it I, I had toyed with it for a long time and never fleshed it out and then Vlad's style was like exactly what I it, like it just clicked when I saw his stuff because he has that sort of retro weird sci-fi vibe to basically everything he does most people usually write the script and they kind of have it ready to go and then they go find an artist is there a reason why you got an artist involved before the script uh part of it is just being so new to trying comic stuff but that has worked out really well for me since as well um part of it is just you sort of know well like, if I knew I'm working with Vlad and I've seen Vlad's work, I know what will look cool when Vlad draws it. Um, so I can sort of write around that. And I think that's advice that you'll, like, find a lot of different places is, you know, work with the team you have and not just give them cookie-cutter stuff. But it's sort of set the stage for how I've proceeded since then because I try to – I do a ton of outlining, but I won't flesh anything out in any, like, final form until I know who's working on it. It's interesting. And so how did you find him exactly? Like, was it social media? I can't remember where exactly. God, we, I mean, we probably first got in touch in like 2014 before we ever actually did anything, like several years later. He was working on a lot of stuff when I brought him the idea, so we put it on the back burner and then we came back to it and I just sort of worked on the script in between. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm always curious how people came to uh, meet and work together just because comics is such a collaborative thing and like who the artist is can wildly change you know the story and as you were saying even how you write the script will change so it's like i'm always curious like i don't know is there like a specific like hashtag you look for for cool artists or like a specific place i mean i, I remember looking on like deviant art yeah. a lot I, I don't think people use that website as much anymore um yeah I, I mean i think a lot of it stuff like twitter is so great now because other artists are just sharing more stuff from other artists and as much as i hate like that the algorithm is tweaked once a week i get to see art that other people are liking and 
I like their art, so it just sort of pushes me in that direction. Um, while I have my complaints about the way that social media stuff works, sometimes you just stumble across cool stuff now, and it makes it a little easier for that to happen. And were you looking for like a specific visual style, or did you just see his art and were like, this is cool? Because I'm assuming you wouldn't want like some, I don't know, you know, children's book kind of cartoony style. Like there's a grit to the story. So I'm assuming there was some kind of idea. Yeah. So I, I tend to lean into more like heavily stylized stuff anyway. And Vlad's work is super, super expressive, um, like exaggerating every single face. And it just works with the way he does things. And I, one of the other things I wanted to do with the story is I wanted the majority of the violence to happen off panel so you had to emote with characters who were sort of witnessing a thing that the reader wasn't necessarily seeing. I was just drawn to his stuff. I was in no rush to make this story. It was just sort of a thing I had toyed with, and then I saw Vlad stuff, and I got in touch. And I was like, oh, I think that this would be cool. And thankfully, he also thought it was cool. And, and what about um, the letter Rachel Deering? Yeah, Rachel's great. So at what point did she come along? Uh, so... Rachel has done a lot of work with just some friends of mine and came highly recommended. And um, that was another one where I really trust people who know what they're doing to just do their thing. And it was her suggestion to do these sort of retro um, rectangular speech boxes throughout. Um, and I was like, sure, let's see what it looks like. And then for whatever, it, like, I do think this story would feel different if it just had normal speech. But everything is rectangular and it feels rigid and confined and that was part of the whole tone of the thing i don't know man rachel's great <laughs> she she does cool stuff rachel does the lettering on basically everything i do now and i'm really super thankful for her it seems like your approach to it is very i don't know hands off kind of just trusting the these people to do what they do because you like their style you see what they can do and you kind of just let them kind of run wild with it oh for sure i Every other process that goes into creating a book is like more heavily visual. And if they're already doing that work, they're better at it than I am. So I'm like, who am I to tell you how to do the lettering? If you have a cool idea, I trust you. And what about like just notes in general? Did you guys have to go back and forth with Vlad or with Rachel? Vlad and I had some back and forth on design stuff. But beyond that, I mean, he just knocked it out of the park with all of his layouts and stuff. Man, when he sent me the first sketch of the cover, I, like, I think the only notes I gave him were like, the logo's going to pop in the background, big bubble text, and I want it to feel like, like a 70s sci-fi horror film. And his first thumbnail was like, just Cal at the bottom, looking stressed out in the snow, and I was like, that's it, it's perfect. Oh, so you didn't even tell him like what you want on the cover? So he, he gave me, I don't know, maybe four thumbnails for ideas in that one. And my, I mean, my scripts are way more intensive than that but literally I, all i gave him was like i think it would be cool to do a sort of minimalist cover with huge text um so you, you mentioned that you're working now on other comics and stuff but i i just went on i was on your website and big white was the only thing on there was it i mean was that your first foray into comics yeah well big white was my first finished product i've had a couple of things like cooking in the background and i've pitched some stuff that'll just sort of sit on an external hard drive until i throw right. it away um but yeah, Big White was the first like complete thing, start to finish, that I did. How do you feel about that? That the first thing you really went into like was so well received. Yeah, I mean it's it's great. It feels super cool. Uh, I mean, any recognition for a thing that you throw out into the world is super nice. Comics is very frequently 
like screaming into a void. <laughs> and I think you'll probably hear that from a lot of people. Again, because it was my first thing, it was a lot of me testing the waters of like figuring out how I wanted to approach things. And if I think if I wrote it again, I would maybe do a couple of things a tiny bit different. But I'm still really happy with it, um, which feel, which also feels good for it being my first thing because I feel like I should hate it by now. You did mention you do some things differently. Like obviously you learn with every project. Like are there any lessons that you learned from this that maybe other people listening that you would like to share? Like that, oh, now the next time around, I'm going to definitely do this thing differently. I think a lot of it was just pacing stuff with the story. There are scenes I really like and there are scenes I like less. The other thing is that I would, I didn't think about the fact that I might get offers to make it longer. <laughs> um, so I think I would have planned ahead a little bit because um, I've had a, a little bit of interest in doing more big white stuff. When I conceived the story, it was meant to be this sort of 12 page over the top, like painful cliffhanger at the end. And even I didn't decide what would have happened from there. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I wonder if, if most people do that, you know, with a short, you know, it's supposed to be kind of like a beginning, middle end kind of concept, but it also kind of serves as a pitch for a bigger a bigger world or, you know, all these characters and stuff. So, I mean, I guess that is a, a different way you can look at a short comic. I think that it's human nature to just assume that I would put this thing out and that no one would care. <laughs> That's part of the reason why what we're trying to do with platform comics is that like, cause I've written comics and you know, you send them out to publishers or whatever and you never hear back. It's like, it sucks that there's so many like talented people every day. I'm on like Instagram and I'm seeing people's art that I'm like, this, this shit is incredible. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like intimidating to see how much good stuff exists that, that I'm just now finding. And I feel like I should have known about forever because it's so cool. You, you said this was kind of your first, um, real serious thing in comics. I mean, were you writing before? Do you have any kind of writing background? Yeah, um, I I have like little bits of short fiction published in some weird like horror anthologies. Um, nothing that I, I'm like super proud of 10 years later. I mean, I did like creative writing in college and for undergrad. I, I don't know, I've always been writing stuff. I mean, whether it was like fiction stuff or I like tried to take poetry seriously for a while, but... And what drew you to comics? I mean, I've just always been reading them and just never thought about writing them uh, until... So a good friend of mine, Dave Crispino, he has a lot of super cool stuff that he's self-published. Um, we like became pretty close pals and he was making comics. And I was like, all right, this becomes attainable when you know someone who's doing it. I mean, comics is super intimidating because you're working with a team of people that, like in this case, Vlad is literally like across the world. There's a there's a learning curve that I think more solitary art forms don't have. But I, I'm assuming if you're coming from a you know more prose background, also having to like think visually. And I, I know a lot of people, especially like I live in LA, so like a lot of my friends who are in the filmmaking world, like kind of want to do comics because it's like it's very similar, and you can actually like tell like a cool sci-fi story for like a lot cheaper than you know making a movie. Right. But you coming from like the more prose background, how is that kind of interpreting the visual medium? I admittedly, I've always, and like, I'm going to lose some librarian points here, but I read way more comics than I do prose. Um, so I've always, I've had like sort of a framework at least of what I liked. Um, and then I started really digging into the books that I just sort of like always keep on my desk now as my like comics Bibles. Um, and just sort of looked at, well, what is, what is it about this story that resonates with me in, almost from a directorial standpoint? Like, why is this framed in a way that makes me feel something. I mean, I have like go-to books that I'm like, if I'm trying to accomplish something in a comic, I can look at a page that made me feel a certain way and be like, well, what can I take from this 
to do my own thing. And what, you, I mean, you mentioned those are your comic Bibles. Do you mind sharing what those are? Basically, all of the Duncan Fergredo Hellboy stuff, like the last couple books, um, I think Darkness Calls just like sits on my desk at all times. I really like pulpy stuff, and I think that recently I've been looking through, I just like reread the whole Luther Strode stuff, and like there's no more fun pulpy action book in the last couple of years. A lot of the Rick Remender stuff from a few years ago, like those super early black science, I think that just wrapped up, but like that was some of the, he really let the art do the heavy lifting. As far as like your future projects and stuff you're working on, obviously, I mean, you probably don't want to give away too many details about those things, but what is the kind of the direction you're going in? Are you working on more longer series or graphic novel or more shorts? Yeah, so I've got, I mean, one thing I can talk about, I have um, a series called Grit coming from Scout Comics next summer. Um, it'll be a three-issue miniseries. I am messing with a pitch for a weird Western that I'm working on a guy named Simon Kirks, whose art is just amazing. Um, and then I, I want to pitch a thing I'm working on. Um, I've done some planning with uh, an artist named Dylan Snook, who we're doing like a weird small town horror Twin Peaks-ish thing. Um, and I think that would be potentially the longest thing I've attempted to work on. I think like a lot of people make the mistake of their first project is like this grand opus of like i don't know some they build a whole world and there's different planets and species and all these things and it's like it's your first thing like i've heard a lot of writers say like they wish that they started just making like shorts and kind of perfecting their craft i mean it seems like you're kind of doing that do you, you consciously try to do that like do the shorts doing like a three issue series that kind of thing is that conscious yeah for sure uh part of it is just what's manageable for me um if i tried to jump into writing a 12 issue thing i would lose my mind right now um it's just not my brain doesn't have the space for it. Um, and I for sure made that mistake to begin as well. I have like just absurd documents of notes on things that I'll never make now because they were convoluted garbage because I didn't know what I was doing. So I'm glad that I stepped back and didn't even try to pursue any of that because I, I guess I caught myself early enough not to do so. Do you have some kind of big grand opus masterpiece kind of floating in, in your head, like a someday kind of project? I mean, I have a couple. Uh, I really, I really prefer to read sort of self-contained things. There are a lot of things that I will read the day they come out for you know six months, and then I just can't keep up that momentum because I forgot what happened six months ago. Uh, I, the longer a series goes, the more I find myself waiting for the trade to catch up. Um, so maybe just a personal preference that I don't necessarily have a twenty-four issue maxi series in my brain um is there any 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 advice you'd give to uh i mean you know at the end of the day you're not a super pro killing it you know not yet in the comics world <laughs> but you know you have like actually made a comic for a lot of people they haven't even been able to make a comic yet or maybe maybe they're really young and they haven't even written a lot of stuff yet like so on your journey from you know never lifting a pen to here is there anything that you wish you kind of could tell yourself when you were younger yeah i mean be patient and like be reasonable um just because you're excited about a thing doesn't mean that everyone you tell about it will be as excited you know you don't know what's going on they might be busy or just not interested and that's okay. Um, I think that the key thing is just sort of stick with it and you'll find the right people to work with. Like I said, I've made a lot of really cool friends in the couple of years that I've been doing comic stuff. And like, that's one of the coolest takeaways for me. Uh, you know, I've put one comic out into the world. This is certainly not a second career to me at this point, but I've met a lot of cool people doing really cool creative things. And that sort of 
it's inspiring and it's really pushed me to get all this other stuff off the ground, um, be it behind the scenes or, you know, making connections. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for talking to me, Brian, and congrats on uh, runner-up position on uh, on the uh, in the competition. Well, thank you, Tucker. First thing about your guys' submission is that Zurika, you were the one who submitted, and you were the artist on the on the comic, right? Yes. It, pretty much everybody who submitted to the competition, the writer was the one who submitted, and I think. Usually it's because the writer kind of is in charge of the comic. Like they write the story and then they kind of hire artists or whatever. So it's a little strange that an artist actually was the one who was in, in control of it. Why do you think that is? Do you, do you feel like ownership of the comic just as much as, as Jed who wrote it? Um, Puzzle was part of a scene I made with friends. And um, I invited John to write something as just like a little trial of working together. So he didn't actually pay me, so we do own it together. And he told me about the platform competition and I actually wanted to submit a different comic, but then I looked through it and I, th- and I thought that puzzle would actually be a much um, better ma- match for it. And so I submitted that. It's interesting because like I said, uh, in, in general, I see most of the time independent comics, the person who writes it is kind of like the one who feels like they have to submit it to publishers and and to get reviews and stuff. Do you find that you as an artist, um, do you try to keep a little more control with the the, the stuff that you work on? And do you feel a little more ownership with it? Oh, that really depends. Um, I think what the difference um, between what I usually work on with clients and a puzzle was also that Jed, like he kind of wrote it for me as well, like with in mind what kind of things I draw and how I tell stories. So even though he wrote it, um, he, you know, it, it was a bit more of a topic that I also felt like connected to and that I like took a little bit on as my own, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Rather than it being a writer who has like his own thing in mind and then I kind of need to work around that and try to make it work yeah and, and so so Jed for you like it, you feel the same that it, it just because you wrote it you don't feel like it was you know like your comic it was it was equally if not more Zurika's oh yeah uh, definitely I, I think that with all all of my work though like I, I don't think it's like a one-size-fits-all well every artist can work on every story I think you should be tailoring your projects for particular artists and finding work that works best in their style. No, oh, it's interesting because I, I think that's a little bit um, different from the normal thing these days where I, I don't know, just from what I see people posting that they're looking for artists, it's usually an, a writer has that idea that it's their story and everybody's just work for hire. Um, but I do speak with a lot of professional writers who are, you know, do really big comics and they have a similar feeling about it as you do that they always think about the artist who they're writing for i thought that was really interesting and, and actually separated you guys from most of what i see oh yeah um i mean it's sometimes you will have a project that gets mostly written before you find an artist for it but it, it's then finding the artist that works best for that project so you're trying to retroactively write for somebody i guess if that makes sense yeah yeah because like some you can't be like I want to hire somebody for this project, and then we, we're going to be starting in four months' time after I've written it. Like, right? With a puzzle, it was a four-page project that felt like you really had to like tailor it specifically for Zorica because she came to me with the anthology idea anyway. And then I think we did like three 
stories, and you pick the puzzle oh, out, yeah. of the, out of the options. And, and something else that's interesting about your partnership is that you guys actually have a personal relationship. Like, you guys are recording this now. You're in the same place together. I mean, that, that, that's pretty rare also. Usually people are working over the internet. They never actually meet each other in person, but you guys actually have a, a personal relationship. Can you, can you talk about how you guys got to working together? Uh, Chad, he's friends with my boyfriend. And I'm originally from Germany, so every time I came over to visit him, I uh, had to hang out with his friends as well. I didn't really know any comic writers before, or in, in general, I guess, not very many people who work in comics. You know, so um, we got along and we just kind of wanted to do something together at some point. And, uh, like, it was actually my first time working with a writer as well. So before that, I've only done um, comics where that I wrote and illustrated and did everything on them. And and you, just a little bit about your background, you do a lot of illustration too, right? I mostly do comics at the minute. Um, I originally studied graphic design and animation. Um, so I've done a little bit of animation work and mostly comic work. And And when did you get into doing comics? Was that something that you always had in mind or did that happen later? Uh, comics is actually something I've done all my life. Like ever since I could draw, I've been like drawing little comics and manga and things like that. And that only stopped when I really started to study animation. But then afterwards, I picked that up again because it's so much more affordable to tell a story through a comic than through an animated film. And so, kind of, I like to have that control and like do project on my own and tell my own stories. And and in Jed. I guess a similar question for you. As, as, as a writer, were you writing before and, and were you always writing comics or thinking about it or is it something that happened later? I always wanted to be a writer, but sort of in that nebulous um, kind of wanting to be a writer but not actually doing any writing thing uh, all the way through like, university and prior to that, um, always had like ambitions of doing that. And then uh, one year I was like, okay, I'm actually going to make a proper go of it. And at the time I was reading a lot of comics, so it felt like a natural fit to try and write comics yeah and then like produced a couple and have sort of just been working away on them since then i want to talk a little bit about about the comic puzzle so the judges really like this comic like every single one of the judges had you as like their first choice Uh, a few of them even gave you like perfect scores for the art and the writing everything and i was actually a little surprised because when i saw your comic i thought it was really nice but it was very simple and some of the other comics had more characters and more drama and genres and action scenes and stuff and i thought oh this might be a little too simple but the judges all really loved it. So can you talk about what made you want to tell this very simple but very beautiful story and not do something more over the top? Well, first of all, the requirement was to have a story that's between one and four pages. Yeah, the plot for that was that you had to have something that had a, a beginning, a middle and an end, characters that go through something with only four pages to do it in. That, But also, like, there's a tendency to try and cram too much stuff into a small amount of space that I think quite a lot of people have. I, I think just making something simple that people can like form attachments to and can it's a lot harder than people think it's almost harder to do that than it is to do something with like a bunch of different elements going on and ideas and then as far as the art too it it was it was a very simple you know the colors palette you know the layout and everything was all very simple um anything you can add to that zurika well i think originally i don't i might remember that wrong but um in the script jed or um wrote like a, a nice little introduction about how he really liked my comics and how he admired that 
I don't use a lot of words and I like I like use silence a lot and I think that's why he wanted to to do something non-verbal as well if I remember that right. Yeah, uh, I mean definitely um if you if you read through uh, like Zorica's uh, where no one goes and where no one lives, which are two books. They're, they're both really good, but she de- like has um, a lot of sequences which are very much left up to interpretation, and that like there's no dialogue or anything like that. It's just you're experiencing what the characters are experiencing. So I sort of like taking that and uh, applying it to the the story of Puzzle. Zorik is really, really, really good at conveying meaning and emotion without having to resort to basically saying what's going on. Thank you. <laughs> That the fact that there's like no real dialogue. I mean, if anything, that's an exercise that people should do all the time, right? To practice uh, being able to tell a story universally and not having to rely on you know exposition and things like that. And I think you guys pulled it off beautifully. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Um, mostly Zarek. <laughs> <laughs> no. So so walk me through like the actual creation of this comic. So wh- how did the idea come about? Why why did you feel about writing this story? Was it inspired by anything? So it was part of an anthology called Wild. So all of this the stories had to have the theme of the wild. Um, so it was trying to come up with an idea that really worked with that. Um, and I believe I just got back from Berlin Zoo where I'd seen the orangutans there solving puzzles not a rubik's cube but solving like uh they have a, like a thing where they uh, use a stick to get food out of these two perspex sheets um i thought that was a really interesting thing of like how you can take what they'd learned in captivity and use it in the wild and then i had the idea that it would be overcoming some emotional trauma from that past in order to pass on something to their their child yeah uh so that was sort of the genesis of the idea and then when you wrote it you specifically knew that zorica was going to draw it oh. Like I say, you picked it out of three different stories. Yeah, so that was the one that resonated mostly with like what she wanted to do. I think I, I liked all of your um, pages, or at least two out of the th- three, but I thought that one was going to be the best one to tell in four pages as well. That makes sense, because you as an artist, you can kind of maybe pace what you need to show visually. I know that with writers, sometimes they you know they put too much in one page or, or something like that. So did you have any input, Zorica, did you have any input on the story, like on the script as well? Or, or did you just wait for him to finish writing it? I think I just waited for him to finish it. Yeah, um, I left it like open if you wanted to yeah. make any changes. I, I think you might have made changes to like the paneling. Yeah. Like I'd have to go through the script to work out what, but I definitely think like she's added or, um, some moments that really help sell the story. And then as far as as far as the art, um, Jed, did you have input on that as well, like the, for the colors or, or the, the, the size of the panels or anything? Or did you kind of let her do whatever? Yeah, I, I was hands off as far as like calling the particular panel shots. So I can't remember which one of us came up with the idea to change the colors around for the flashback scenes. I can't remember if that was called for in the script or not. But um, I, I think um, you uh, mentioned that we should try something different there, but you left it up to me to decide what that, we were going to do. Yeah, that sounds right. I think. Yeah, and so about the colours, be, uh, because like it was meant to be printed as a in a as part of this risograph anthology, and so the colours were already decided to be red and green. So that was a limitation as well. Like the comic had to be four pages. Yes. It had to be about the wild. It also had to be in these colours. Yes, exactly. And what do you think about that, about working within those kind of parameters? Because obviously in this case it worked, like people really loved this comic. So do you think it's actually good to to limit yourself in those ways? I think it is, yes. 
yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like, um, I think it forces you to like get out of your usual pattern of how you would make decisions and like try to experiment a little bit more and, you know, find new ways of doing uh, things that you would have otherwise never come up with or, you know, discovering new things. Yeah, I mean, it gets you thinking about how to like tell a story visually rather than relying on old tricks and stuff like that. Uh, Zorica, the, the, was the um, was this all drawn digitally, or did you do any hand drawing on this? No, this was all drawn digitally. Do you do you do all digital uh, for your drawing? Um, yeah, I do at the minute. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just a little bit more comfortable with the possibility of like cutting things out and moving them around and rather than having to do everything on paper where I have to like definitely embrace things and try to come up with something new it's 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 a bit faster and easier for me yeah when we were at um, a convention recently um she was trying to zoom in on a paper which <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do that all the time now since I have an iPad <laughs> No, I mean, I think a lot of artists feel like they have to draw by hand because that's what, you know, the the famous artists have done. But uh, clearly you um, you have mastered your own way of drawing. And if it's all digital, I, I mean, I, I think it's cool, whatever people use. I wouldn't say I've mastered it. I do like to try out different things. And I think I'm definitely going to come back to drawing traditionally in the future as well. Just maybe not for like, you know, long projects or client work. Because it's always easier to handle these things digitally. Are you guys working on anything else together after this? I mean, or, or was this a one-time deal for you guys? Uh, yeah, I, I sent Zorica a script for a one-shot. Um, that I haven't read yet. That she's not read yet. Now, uh, which I, we've been working on for a while. Uh, actually, like winning this competition was the thing that finally got me uh, to finish writing it. Um, oh. I'd had it like a, in a draft form for a while, but just knowing. Like having an idea of what Zorica's timetable was for when she'd be able to fit in, I had plenty of time to sort of revise it and stuff. Um, hence why she's not ready yet. <laughs> so what were your thoughts when you submitted it? Did, did you think that you would um, do really well or did you not have any ideas or expectations? Or uh, So I, I didn't know Zorica had actually submitted the story. I expected her to submit. Um, what's the, the name of the, the zombie one that you did? Um, normal is a sub- objective term yeah um so i i sent her the link being like oh you should submit that story to this um so i had no expectations (laughs) well i just think if you don't if you don't try you'll just lose you just have to find places like this and and give it a go in order to achieve anything so i just you know i just did it and you guys are both you're both in where are you now uh, we're in uh, England, Leeds. As people who are in Europe, how, how do you feel about, I don't know, being there in the comic world? Because I, I know London has a comic scene, but I feel like most of it is centered in the United States. Do you feel anything at all differently being there? I mean, in the time of the internet, maybe it doesn't matter. Or do you feel like more of an outsider? I don't know. Uh, well, I, like speaking for myself, like... Uh, England's always had a really, really good comic scene. Um, I mean, you can only look at like creators that have come over and really like uh, you've got like Alan Moore, Graham Morrison, Gaff Ennis. These are all like Neil Gaiman. Um, yeah, it's, it's always been a really solid. We've got like 2000 AD as well and a really solid uh, small press indie scene because the UK is so small. You see everybody at the same shows. So you get to know people quite well. 
plus we've got Fart Bubble, which is really good at getting over like international creators and stuff like that. Um, I mean, Zorica might have a better thing of like what Europe is like for comics, but the UK is great. It's well, I can only agree with that. The UK is great, um, especially since there is a very tight community, especially in the in this small press. Yeah, it feels like a good time and place to be if you're making in independent comics. So Zurica, coming coming from Germany, I mean, do you think it's any easier being in in the UK or? Yes, definitely. There isn't a very a big comic scene in Germany, apart from like classics like you know Tintin and Asterix and Obelix. I think comics like much like animation are, are still kind of viewed as like children's things and so there's a little bit of a, a manga scene coming upcoming and some manga artists and some manga and anime conventions but like in terms of making a living and like indie comics there there isn't that much yet going on it might have changed a little bit in the, in the past two years but i definitely feel like um i have more opportunities in the uk yeah, I mean, we did a convention in Erlangen. Yeah, uh, that was that was pretty good. That was but, actually pretty good. Yeah, um, but I mean, it definitely seemed to have less comics stuff, especially on the small press. It seemed to be a lot more people doing uh, illustration or doing mm. like manga and stuff. Is it just the conventions? Because because these days, obviously, with the internet, location doesn't matter. But or do you feel it just? I don't know. When you're walking around town and meeting people, does it actually make a difference where you are, or is it just? easier to get to conventions i think it does actually make a difference like i haven't really met anyone who um works as a comic artist you know or, or has like is a successful um freelance business necessarily yeah as i said um the only real artists we have that are a bit known are manga artists and like the only thing that publishers really care about at the minute is like how to get their own German manga artists. Um, so, yeah, I, I also don't really know... I I'm, I don't really know very many um, illustrators and, and independent comic artists in Germany. And it is quite a, a small scene as, as well, I would say, because it's not very common. Yeah, so, like, uh, over here, you went to, like, a, a zine-making thing mm. on, on Monday. There's a comic bi-weekly, is it fortnightly, yes. panel show? Uh which is also great. Yeah, and then I think when you get down into London, like there's a lot of stuff organised around the comic shops down there that you see like people, you know, bumping into each other and stuff like that. Yeah, and you can like actually meet people who are like have been working with publishers in the past or are working with publishers at the moment. And there are a lot, like a lot more publishers. Um, there are a lot of small publishers who are like um, able and willing to and interested to help you publish your comics um, and help you come up with the printing costs and things like that and in Germany you really just have like four big publishers and an awful story I have is uh, one of the girls I know who draws manga they paid her like 2,000 euros to work on a manga for six months and and I think that about sums up the opportunities you have in Germany of drawing comics. Well it's, it's interesting that you do so much stuff out in the UK too, just because I I, I don't know in the in the states I I feel like a lot of people who make comics kind of just stay in their bedroom and they work on their books and then they occasionally go to a convention but they don't really 
you know, go to gatherings and meetups and, and these kind of things. But it seems like you actually benefit from that a good amount. Oh, yeah, you could go crazy if you just stay at home all the time. I mean, definitely the internet helps. Uh, being able to, like, work with people remotely. Um, most of the artists on that I've worked with are people that I have met online. I think most of the people you've worked with as well, like, tend yeah. to be, like, I people who've found Chad is the only person that I actually know that has hired me in person. Uh, usually the people I interview are, are, you know, very successful, or at least have been published in big books, and they've written big books. You guys are, are kind of just getting started in your careers. But, you know, you have made comics, you've won this competition, so you are a, a somewhat a step ahead of maybe somebody who's just getting started. So is there any, any advice that you would give to people starting out or something you wish you would have told yourself when you were starting out? Um, my, my advice to people who are always starting out is to start off with something small. Do something that you can finish rather than have a massive, super long project that you can that's going to take you years to do. Is that is that a mistake that you made? I mean, like uh, the first comic script that, that I wrote uh, was part one of like a thirty-five issue maxi series. <laughs> so yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's good advice. Have you got anything um, on the outside that? Well, something I wish somebody would have told me is um, how to do it and that that you can do it, like becoming a freelancer and doing it on your own isn't actually that difficult if you like, if it's what you want to do, like you absolutely can. Well, thank you guys for talking to me. Congratulations on winning um, the competition. And um, I look forward to seeing everything you guys put out from here on out. I, I think you guys have a very bright future, very talented comic makers. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you.